Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Another crazy week. Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. They threw in a little Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, strange. Uh, I'm sick of Donald Trump. I got to say it simply that way. I'm sick of hearing all the things he's doing. I mean, forget the fact that I personally believe he's doing a lousy job. Uh, he's going to get us in a war. He's, he urinates. He pisses on too many people. Uh, you can't run a country like you you run a construction firm. Uh, be that as it may, I try not to talk about him on this show, only to give you and me a break from him. You can turn on your TV set and your radio, and you can hear about him all day. There are other things going on in this world, uh, and I want to share some of those with you. So I'm going to start tonight with some of those other things. Uh, they should be interesting to you. Uh, they're, it's, they're, it's a teaching tool, too. I am going to start with Bordellos, whorehouses, and I'm going to give you a little bit about Key West Bordellos back when, okay? And the reason I, I, I'm into this is, is twofold. Uh, number one, for the last two years, you're aware, I've talked about this before on the show, uh, I've been trying to pre- write a book about the history of prostitution in Key West. No one has. And the reason no one has is because it's pretty hard to do it. Uh, I, I found... I. I've got Diana Millican, a friend of mine I've mentioned before. She's a terrific researcher, helped me researching this thing because she's a digger. You need a digger. What's happened is everything in history has been recorded in detail except for prostitution. Oh, we hear the stories about this and about that, but everywhere there isn't enough detail on prostitution. And you just can't make things up when you write a book. You've got to have facts. Uh, So, uh, what I'm going to share with you tonight is primarily from the notes that have been assembled for the book that may never be written because I can't find enough data. We've gone back as far as 1650, and that's where I want to start in Key West because that's the first time we had prostitution in Key West. Not women, male prostitutes, because only men lived in Key West. You know, they were the pirates uh, or the the people who worked on ships. And that's a story in itself. Anyhow, let me start with this. I want to talk, I saw the other day, and this is why I'm into this tonight, uh, that uh, on yesterday, in 1953, on yesterday's date, 1953, Mom's Tea Room, a house of ill repute on Stock Island, was closed after 11 years in business. Here's the story on Mom's Tea Room. Mom had another whorehouse before Stock Island, Key West, they threw her out years before. Uh, She ran a pretty thriving business. Anyhow, she moved over the bridge, over Kauke Bridge, and she moved into uh, Stock Island, and she opened a place called Mom's Tea Room. Now, she operated there for 11 years. Uh, The Navy was her primary uh, customer base. We, We had a quite a, an active, quite a large naval base in 1953, in the 1950s, late 1940s. And those were her customers. 
But the Navy thought it was highly immoral. Not, it wasn't for health reasons. They thought it was immoral uh, that her bordello existed, and they leaned on the local public officials to close her down. Finally succeeded in 1953, okay? So she's closed down. Mom had a bit of an interesting history. She was from Georgia. Her husband was from Georgia. And you need girls, you need women, you need ladies to work your bordello if you're running one. And her husband used to go up to Georgia. And he actually would steal girls and bring them back to work in the bordello. Now, this sounds like things that are going on in other places in the world. It's called white slavery. And they were engaged in white slavery. Uh, but they thought that they were doing it on a proper basis. They took no one younger than 17 years old. In fact, they only wanted 17 years old. They thought that was sort of like the age of consent. But these girls didn't want to come. They literally stole the girls and brought them back here to work. Uh, they didn't care that they were breaking all kinds of federal laws, crossing state lines for purposes of prostitution, etc. They did pretty good. She had a good business, but she got closed down. There was another place on Stock Island called Big Annie's. That's all I know. There was a place on Stock Island called Big Annie's. For all the digging we've done, we can't find out anything else about Big Annie's. Now let's come into Key West. Uh, there were a lot of bordellos in Key West. Over the years, there's been a ton of bordellos in Key West. Uh, almost on every block, there was at least one whorehouse, sometimes two or three. Uh, back in you know this time period of uh, the early 1950s on Petronia Street, you recognize Petronia Street. Petronia Street uh, is Bahama Village. It runs right through the heart of Bahama Village. It also is the black neighborhood. Uh, there was the Square Roof, the Square Roof House of Real Repute. I don't know why they called it the Square Roof. Maybe it had a square roof. The Square Roof had a distinction though. It only employed white women. There was another house, another bordello on Petronia Street, whose name I cannot ascertain, but it employed only black women. Now, I guess the most important thing or the most interesting thing about these bordellos, these four places I mentioned back in the early 1950s, is what they charged. Services for services rendered, the charge was generally $2. Would you believe it? $2. Now, don't say, oh, my God, that's terrible. Think back. In 1953, bread cost $0.02 cents a loaf. Bread was $0.02 a loaf. Gas was about $0.14, $0.15 cents a gallon. Why shouldn't a lady in a house of ill repute cost $2? So that's the Bordello Key West story. Now I want to stay in Florida for a little while tonight. I want to talk about beaches in Florida. It has been forever that the beaches of Florida, <clears throat> excuse me, the beaches of Florida have been public. Whether it's a hotel that owns a beachfront property or a private home, they could not privatize the beach. The beaches were for the public. What a wonderful thing, okay? Well, no more, no more. They just passed a law here in Florida. The Governor Scott signed it, I think, to his shame. There was a law up uh, to make beachfront now 
the property, the property, the ownership belonging to whoever owned the beach, beachfront property. You own a hotel on the beach, you own the beach. You own a home on the beach, you own the beach. And you can keep people off. They privatize the beaches. What's so sad about all this is that everyone in the Florida legislature that had a vote voted to privatize the beaches. And the governor signed it. Uh, the law says, here's how they describe uh, why they can do it. They said that the land belongs to, the beach belongs to, and I quote, the land above the mean high tide level. Would you believe it? The land above the mean high tide level. You've got to have 88 degrees to figure that out. But that means the property owner owns the beachfront and keep people off. No more public beaches. Well, it shows you this represents, this represents what happened here with the beaches, the growing influence of the rich in this country. It's like piss on everybody else. Governor Scott, when he signed this bill, said, to his shame, to his shame, he said, the people should not worry. Rich people are unlikely to abuse their new powers. Rich people are unlikely to abuse their new powers. Good luck. They'll be the first ones to do it. All right. Uh, what are we doing here now? I want to talk about gays here. Uh, Key West, we have gays. This is, you know, we have a gay community, and we're proud of it. Uh, the gays own much of the quality real estate, businesses, restaurants, everything in Key West. They came here many years ago. They've established themselves as business people in the community. I can remember one time, more than one time, uh, a fellow owning a gay business was president of the Chamber of Commerce, the elected chairman or president of the Chamber of Commerce. This is Key West. We are one loving family. Wasn't always so. I came to Key West for the first time in 1930. Uh, and, you know, everything was kumbaya between straights and gays. There was never any trouble here. I've been here since 1930, owned a home for 20 years. Everything was okay. I never saw a problem. Now, you have to go back 10 years before I started coming. The winter of 1979-1980, it was a battlefield here in Key West between the straights and gays. The war was on as to who was going to remain here and be accepted. In January 1971, there was a Baptist minister who wrote an ad and placed it in, had it printed in the Key West Citizen. And in effect, the ad said that he thought that 100 men with baseball bats should walk down the Wall Street and hit the, and I apologize, but I quote, the freaks in the head, okay? He claimed that that's the way it was done in Key West in the days he remembered and loved. Bigot, boy. Now, there was a lot of tension then in that winter of 79, 1980, and tension and violence, violence against the gay community. And guess who was in the middle of all this violence? Tennessee Williams, one of the... The most renowned writers in the history of the world, books, plays, everything. Tennessee Williams, 
gay man, lived here over 30 years, had a home here in Key West. In fact, his home is on Duncan Street. It's still there. It's a cute, quaint little cottage. My daughter Lisa lives one block from that house. Magnificent little home. Anyhow, now in that winter of 79-80, he had an architect, Tennessee Williams, a landscape architect. And his landscape architect was found at the landscape architect's home with several bullet holes in his head and neck. He was dead. He was in a pool of blood. Six days later, Tennessee Williams, who had lived here for 30 years already, okay, for the first time had his home broken into, vandalized, and there was some minor theft. One month later, Tennessee Williams had a house guest, and he and the house guest were coming out of a place, we no longer have this place, called The Monster. The Monster was a gay disco off Duval Street. They were jumped by four or five straight men. One socked uh, Tennessee Williams in the head. Uh, he fell down. He broke his glasses. His friend got hit in the jaw, fell down, etc., etc. The friend shouted to Tennessee Williams, let's get the hell out of here. They may have knives. Williams was a strange man, my friends, in many ways. He stood his ground. He said, and I quote, I am not in the habit of retreat. Dramatic. He wrote great plays, throwing great movie books. I am not in the habit of retreat. Uh, why did all this happen? Well, we have to go back to the 1960s, the beginning of the 1960s. What I'm sharing with you now is the winter of 79-80. Beginning in the mid-1960s, uh, Key West was economically down. Uh, the Navy had dwindled. Businesses were shutting down. People were leaving. They couldn't earn a living here. Key West then was not the Key West of today. did not even look like the Key West of today, okay? The gays started coming. As, as the straights left, the gays came in. And they thought they could do something with the city, and they started improving the city. They bought up a lot of real estate. They improved the real estate. They opened businesses. Well, as a result of what they did, uh, you know, the business climate improved, real estate went up. But the locals got upset because now real estate prices were expensive. They weren't cheap. Their taxes went up also. And this is a motivating factor in the straight gay war that started. Also, and this I find very hard to understand, male prostitutes came to Key West. They came to service uh, the gays who were living here. Uh, Maybe I'm stupid. I assume if you're gay, you don't need a male prostitute. But they came here. There was a business for them here. But they also brought with them bad people people using drugs heavy, people guilty of assault and battery. So now the gays are beating up the whites, the whites are beating up the gays, they're beating up each other probably. Uh, Now, remember the architect they talk about, I talked about, who got shot in the head and the neck and killed? He was a bit eccentric. And you can understand how the streets might get upset. He used to walk up and down the streets of Key West at night shouting, and I quote, I am a woman. Well, They say he was murdered, not only because he was gay, but by men looking for cocaine. Now a night came when a crowd of straights ended up in front of Tennessee Williams' house. And they were throwing beer cans at his house. His house guest was still with him, by the way. 
and they were shouting. And boy, my God, this would never happen in Key West today. Come out, faggot. Come out, faggots. They're shouting at Tennessee Williams and his friend while throwing beer crackers at the house. Now they start throwing firecrackers. Tennessee Williams and his friend think they're being shot at, okay? Uh, Williams made a few interesting statements, not just that night, but in general during that time. Uh, because this homosexuality thing bothered him. He felt he, he um, was no longer a homosexual in effect. He had withdrawn from the field of sex. As he said, and I quote, I've retired from the field of homosexuality. Because of age, I have no desires. He was 68 at the time. Uh, and that's the way it was. So he didn't know why people were getting upset with him. He wasn't looking for it and he wasn't getting it. Well, Key West became, came under siege. Punks came into town. That's what they were described as. Uh, national newspapers were reporting that Key West was the fire island of Florida. That was a bad name to attach to Key West. Many predators, again, again here, uh, and they were looking for homosexuals uh, to take advantage of, to prostitute for, to steal from, et cetera, et cetera. The Baptist minister, he's still in play here, by the way. It's taken a little while to tell the story, but I think it's a worthwhile story. The Baptist minister, he kept ranting and raving. He said, I'm going to bring Anita Bryant. Remember Anita Bryant, Miss America? She was anti-gay publicly, openly in those days. I'm going to bring Anita Bryant to Key West to help me in this anti-gay crusade. Who cared, okay? Uh, he also said this, though, and this is interesting. He said, within five years, we will know whether we're going to have a society of straights or a society of homosexuals. Interesting. Well, we all know the good guys went out. The homosexuals have been here. They never left in 79. And the straight people accepted him, but the Baptist minister never did. Uh, it got so bad that Tennessee Williams, in his old age, was very careful. He would neither walk nor ride his bicycle at night, late at night, on Duval Street. He, he said, and I quote, I am more frightened in Key West than I am in New York City. I am more frightened in Key West than I am in New York City. He also refused to leave Key West. He had the wherewithal to get the hell out of here. He said, and I quote, I have been here longer than, though, than they have. I have been here longer than they have, and I'm not leaving. And we know he did not that's a story most people are unaware of. John Hershey, Ernest Hemingway, Tennessee Williams, another great writer, John Hershey, a belt for a dino, got him international recognition, awards. He wrote Hiroshima. Uh, he lived here. This guy lived here for years. He died in 1993 at the age of 78. He spent his winters in Key West. He spent his summers at Martha's Vineyard. What a way to to live summers on the Cape at Martha's Vineyard and winters in Key West. He was born in China, a place called Tenzin, T-I-E-N-T-S-I-N. His parents were Protestant ministers affiliated with the YMCA. Uh, the reason I'm, I'm talking about him tonight, besides recognizing one of the great authors of all time, is that he wrote a, a book called Key West Tales, Key West Tales. Nothing about prostitution and so. He wrote a book about Key West Tales. Uh, I have been through it. 
And there's some interesting stories in there. The man had the touch you could feel. He, he wrote this during the time of AIDS, AIDS, okay? And he wrote a story about a man dying of AIDS trying to preserve his dignity. Uh, he wrote about false crimes being charged to gays and being reported to the police. Uh, he, re- he was straight, by the way. He had a white family. He also, and this is the reason I'm talking about this tonight. This is very interesting. He wrote about John James Audubon. Now, we all know John James Audubon. He's the man who took picture, or painted pictures of birds early on. We have an Audubon house in Key West. The man stayed here, I don't know, a month or something. The house he stayed in is a shrine now. People go through it. It's, it's a museum. John James Audubon, he was a scientist. He was an ornithologist. What a big word. He dealt with birds. He was an ornithologist. And he painted birds. What do you think he did for sport to relax? This is very hard to believe, but he would take his gun and go out and shoot birds. He that was game. He enjoyed shooting birds. Like some people like to go fishing and catch fish. He enjoyed shooting birds, which I find very strange uh, because he gave us birds forever with his paintings for all time. But he shot birds for the sport of it. Want to talk about transgenders. Every time there's been a transgender issue, there's been which bathroom are they going to use? And there have been votes statewide, votes countywide, and votes in some communities as to which bathroom they should use. The issue being, should they be required to use the bathroom that matches the sex on their bath certificate, birth certificates? Should they be required to use the bathroom that matches the sex on their birth certificates? All the time these elections were held, voted on, by elected public officials. And generally the vote was they got, they got a, their birth certificates controlled. Well, they had a vote last week in Anchorage, Alaska, from the city of Anchorage, Alaska. The issue being, should they have to, should transgenders use the bathroom that matched the sex on their birth certificates? The people voted, not elected legislators. And guess what? The people voted. Let them use whatever bathroom they want. What the hell's the big deal? Isn't that 52% of the vote? Close vote, but the people voted. Let them use whatever bathroom they want. None of this bullshit. Show me your papers. I want to know what you were born as, et cetera, et cetera. Great, great people up in Anchorage. Ah, boy, where are we? Miami. What a mistake is being made. I'm going to talk about our Attorney General, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. Now, he's a bigot. If you don't think he's a bigot, something's wrong with you. You can see the man's a bigot. (laughs) In fact, in 1984, he was a senator, United States senator, and he had the opportunity to, I don't know if he was a senator, I may be wrong there, but he was nominated by the president at the time to the federal district court. And guess what? The Senate refused to confirm him because he was a bigot. Well, now he's attorney general. And look what he's doing to the immigrants. He's sucking up to Trump and he's chasing the immigrants and, in my opinion, abusing them, uh, pursuing them just wrong. 
It's a Hitler-type society when it comes to the way they're treating the immigrants. Anyhow, they are building in Miami a new $32 million federal courthouse, a new $32 million federal courthouse. And it was just announced about 10 days ago by the federal government in the city of Miami. Guess who they're going to name this federal courthouse after? It brings tears. You can hear hear the sound of my voice. It's going to be called the Jefferson Beauregard Sessions Miami Justice Center. Would you believe the Jefferson Beauregard Sessions Miami Justice Center? Now, why? What the hell for? It's, it's an insult. We, are, we name our federal courthouses after men who have distinguished themselves under the laws of the United States, have conformed, et cetera, et cetera. They are people to be respected. He is not a person to be respected. How did he get this? This is a political compromise deal. There has been sanctuary cities all over the United States. You know what a sanctuary city is. Uh, and Miami was coming to the point where they were going to make a decision whether they were going to be a sanctuary city or not, and Miami is full of immigrants, and it's obvious the vote was going to go in favor of making Miami a sanctuary city. Well, Trump is opposed, Sessions is opposed to to, uh, sanctuary cities anywhere in the United States. Somehow... Sessions was able to reason with the mayor of Miami. Mayor Jimenez, with a name like that, he voted against the sanctuary city. He should be ashamed. His people are all over the city. Anyhow, he capitulated rapidly. This wasn't a drawn-out affair. They sat down, worked it out. Miami will not be a sanctuary city. Miami is naming Miami and the government, federal government, are naming the new courthouse the Jefferson Beauregard Sessions Miami Justice Center. What a disgrace. Caravans, the Mexican border. My God, look what happened last week. Uh, we, we became aware caravans of people were coming from Guatemala, Honduras, and they were going to come to the United States border, and they were going to cross that border in mass. Something had to be done. Trump went on television. I told you when during the campaign, they rape people. The, I have been told it's the highest degree of rapes where they've ever had there. More people are being raped as they're traveling through Mexico. He was lying again, of course. And he called for the military. He called for the military. It sounded like we were going to war. This, who the hell were all these people coming? Well, as it turned out, he was misleading us. It's only 1,200 people are coming. <laughs> Families, they total 1,200. Father, mother, children, babies in their mother's arm. I've been watching television for a week. You see, babies in mother's arms, kids walking around with their backpacks, little kids. And the game plan was this for these 1,200 that they were going to, uh, most of them were going to seek asylum. They had paperwork prepared because they're getting away from the gangs in Honduras and Guatemala, and the percentage of their lives are getting killed down there big time, and it's a justifiable ground to be be given asylum for. So most of them are going to go to the border with their papers and say, please admit me, and then they'll have hearings and everything else. And some will. The word is some will out of the 1,200. 
will uh, try to just come over the border on their own, through the woods, through the desert, rather, and everything else. So Trump calls in the military. You don't need the goddamn military. What's he doing? And what are they going to do? I I wrote an article on this blog called Blood in the Sand. Are they going to shoot these people? Are they going to shoot the kids as they're running across the border? Well, as it turns out, the Army can't even use guns there. It's against the law for them to use guns. Uh, So I don't know what's going to happen, but it's so stupid. They come and they tell us, though, well, Obama did it in 2006. Yes, Obama did it in 2006. It was a different ball. It was a different ball game. There, of the people, it was a big group coming across the border in 2006. Involved were 60 to 70,000 children. 60 to 70,000 children. There's only 1,200 coming through now, including children. Obama sent the military to protect the children. Well, that's the show for tonight. Uh, My time is running out. I appreciate your joining me. Uh, Please come back again next week. I enjoy doing the show. I know you enjoy it. My numbers keep going up. I have advertisers. This is terrific. I love this show. So uh, I look forward to being with you again next week. Have a good night, my friends.